Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Falcoholic patrons, what is up? Welcome to another episode of the Falcoholic Live. I am Kevin Knight, your host here with some great guests, including you know him, the boss man himself, Dave Choate at the Falcoholic. Dave, how are we doing tonight? Doing well, doing well. Glad to be here. Yes, glad to see Dave uh, resting up. So ha- happy to have him back on the Q&A. Also with us, Adnan Ikech at Say Which Way. Adnan, how are we doing tonight? Um, also very well. I, um, you know, I have a window open right now, so that oh, yeah. should tell you what the weather is like down here in Atlanta right now. Yes. I believe we're going to get three inches of snow, uh, overnight here in, in Syracuse as another winter storm blows in. And then on Thursday, I believe a third winter storm in a one week period will blow in. So, uh, I will be we're going skiing. Boat, yeah. I will be going skiing late in the week. So I'm not as opposed to that as I might otherwise be, but, uh, that's a lot of winter storms in a short period of time. So yeah, yeah I know it's, you're... it's 72 it's 72 right now yeah well you know just rub it in rub it in but yeah Dave some, are you yeah. are you getting snow Dave or is it gonna be more like crud uh yeah it's snow I mean we're gonna end up probably having most of it melt we're supposed to get about half a foot overnight to tomorrow and wow. we'll see at the end of the week yeah it's it's a great time of the year to get all of your snowstorms it's like February March I love it yeah Yep, just to, they just like to, they all come in clumps, you know, it's never just this regular snowfall over time. It's always like, we're going to get three of them right now. Um, that's, yeah, that's, generally right how they, that's generally how it works. Um, but yeah, yeah, guys, uh, welcome, welcome to all the patrons. For those of you uh, joining us live, also welcome to everyone listening uh, on the audio uh, or the video later, including non-patrons. And if you're interested in getting in on this patron action uh, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash falcoholiclive, uh, getting access to some exclusive perks like these Q&A sessions, and of course, ad-free early access to all the podcast episodes as well. So some terrific stuff there. Uh, but yeah, we're going to kick off things by going through some questions we have online. And if anyone wants to throw any anything in the chat, uh, feel free to do so uh, if you have any additional questions, but we will get through as many of them tonight as we can. Uh, starting off with Daryl Moore's question, uh, he asks, first of all, if Darnell Washington, the tight end from Georgia, were to fall to the second round, I would be all I would be all on board with scooping him up. Just think about how elite our run game would be with Lindstrom, McGarry, if he comes back, and Washington all blocking on the right side of that line. Remember that Arthur Smith loves to pound the ball, and plus I feel like he's a plus in the passing game behind Pitts. Always remember that this team has prioritized BPA all the way. Yeah, and that is that is a topic that we actually, I think it came up on the last live show too, um, by chance. But it, it's been sort of a 
quasi-trendy pick for Atlanta to, to end up with Darnell Washington because of all the things you mentioned. But um, I think there's like a pushback. Well, there's a pushback from a certain section of fans to any non-defensive lineman selected in like the first four picks. And that that's kind of ridiculous. But, you know, that's always going to be there. There's also, I think, an aversion to selecting any tight end because of this belief that like, well, they don't even use Kyle Pitts. So like, why would they need another tight end? And, you know... That's funny and all, but there's there's multiple factors there. But they what they do is use multiple tight end sets at the highest rate of any team in the league to the point where their slot receiver is sort of an afterthought entirely. Uh, I believe I looked into it the other day, and both Michael Pruitt and Parker Hesse had more snaps than the third receiver uh, over the course of the season. So but I think it was Drake London and Lamade Zacchaeus had more, but... No other receiver had more snaps than either Parker Hesse or Michael Pruitt. So that should tell you just how important those tight ends are for the Falcons. They're just going to use more and more tight ends. Uh, but yeah, Dave, I'll, I'll let you get a get a thought in here. What do you think about that potential Darnell Washington coming here? You know, he is does have the prowess in the run game, which we know they value as well. Yeah, I, I think, you know, you can't you can't rule it out, right? Because this team has Pitts. They have uh, Parker Hesse, who I think will have a significant role, but you know isn't here like on a long term deal or anything. And they just drafted John Fitzpatrick last year. They have Felipe Frank. So like you you could say, especially with Pruitt being an easy resigning, you know they're all set this year. They've got enough guys, but I don't think they ever truly have enough guys. And I think given the difficulty of acquiring a high-end number two receiver to say nothing of anyone further down the depth chart, given what the market looks like this year, given that they probably don't want to spend another high pick on a wide receiver. Yeah, I mean, I'm not opposed to somebody like Washington who can help you kind of through the air and on the ground, right? Um, So I think it's a genuine possibility. I wouldn't say I think it's likely. But this is a player who certainly fits the bill for what they like to do, and I don't think they consider their tight end depth chart anywhere near done. Um, so, yeah, I, I wouldn't rule it out. And then that would make uh, that would make Georgia fans really happy for a second year in a row, and it would not be two six-round picks this time, which I, I <laughs> yeah, guess just, is something. Just fill in the Georgia quota. We need to get two guys every year now. That's the new expectation. But, yeah, a lot of good points there, Dave. Uh, do you have anything you wanted to add on the, the Darnell Washington front? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I can see it happening just because this regime is so for BPA and because Arthur Smith loves tight ends. Um it wouldn't shock me. Nothing at this point. Taking an offensive skill position guy at this point would not shock me anywhere with this with this re- regime. We didn't think they would take Pitts uh, number four um, a couple of years ago. We didn't think that they would take Drake London at eight last year, and you know they did both of those things. Both those guys were pretty much BPA. Um, I wouldn't count on it. Um, I wouldn't rule it out, but if they were to get Washington in the second round, expect Washington to factor very heavily in in the passing game because they're not getting a guy that high just to be a, a very solid run blocker, as good of a blocker as he is. So I don't know. I I'd say don't count on it, but you know, you just never know with these guys. Arthur Smith, especially, he loves his tight ends, but we are pretty set at that position for next season. 
Yeah, I think it's like if you bring back Michael Pruitt, they've already they already gave Parker Hesse his uh, ERFA contract, which for those that don't know, it's basically like Parker Hesse has to accept a minimum salary under the ERFA uh, free agent tag or whatever um, because he has less than, I believe, three years of accrued experience. So he is not eligible to be a free agent, like a full free agent yet. It's sort of this tends to happen to guys that are on practice squads a lot or whatever. Um, so... Uh, Hesse, you know, it, was a, it came back for very minimal salary, which of course helps the Falcons. Um, but Darnell Washington, you know, Michael Pruitt's going to get more than that. He's a full free agent. Uh, I would definitely prioritize bringing back Pruitt. But given how often they use the tight end and they use it more, they use that second tight end more than any other NFL team. It wouldn't shock me if they viewed Darnell Washington as like the best offensive weapon that they could add. Um, and given this team's run heavy nature, going for a guy that's going to give you elite level blocking at the tight end position it's it's more valuable to this team than it would be to a lot of other teams and I think one of the sort of underrated aspects of getting a guy like Washington is that it might have them actually shift Kyle Pitts more to a full-time outside role uh where he becomes sort of the like wide receiver one slash two player and Darnell Washington becomes the primary tight end um and that maybe helps you sort of it mitigates your wide receiver need and it gives you an extra weapon at tight end, you know, so I, I can sort of like squint and see this plan coming together because of how often they use the two tight end sets and, and all those things. Um, but I, you know, I don't think it's going to be particularly popular with fans, right? Because it's not a defensive player and it's another tight end and all this stuff. But, um, you know, it's definitely interesting, and I think it's more realistic than maybe some think at first glance. And, like, I wasn't that high on this tight end class as a whole, but, like, talking to, I think, Daniel Jeremiah on his, like, conference call that he did yesterday or the day before, um, he mentioned that he had, like, 11 tight ends in the top 100 or something like that, um, which is just nuts. I don't really see that um, personally, but there are a lot of good tight ends in this class, and I do wonder if that could lead to Washington actually falling a little bit as teams sort of wait to get their tight ends and maybe the more flashy athletes. I mean, Darnell Washington's a very good athlete for his sides. Don't get me wrong, but like a Luke Musgrave is probably going to run in the four fives or something like that, you know, as an elite speedster, Dalton Kincaid has all that receiving production. Um, you know, those guys could end up going late in the first and that could leave Darnell Washington on the board you know, Michael Mayer's another guy that's probably going to go in the first round. That could leave Washington on the board later than initially expected. Um, and, like, I I think you could definitely make a case that he could be the best offensive weapon available at 44, 45, depending on, um, depending on you know, which receivers go and stuff like that. But I would not hate it. I think, it, I think it's justifiable, but I don't know that it's particularly likely. But I, so I guess I kind of agree with, like, Dave in that way on that one. Um all right, from Brandon Brass, next question here. Like I said, if you, everyone watching, if you guys have any questions, feel free to throw those in the chat as well. We'll get to as many as we can on this show. Uh, Brandon asks, what's you guys' opinion on trading up and getting Jalen Carter? What would, what would you be willing to give up to get to that point? Um, personally, I wouldn't do it. I, I love Jalen Carter, uh, but I, I think you have to get to three to make sure you get him. Um, because I think the Cardinals could easily take him. And if the Cardinals don't take him, then the bears will probably take him at four 
which is where I imagine they will actually end up picking. Um, so if you want him, you have to get up to three. And like eight to three isn't that far. And I think the Cardinals would be open to a trade down, but you're probably going to be bidding against teams trying to trade up for a quarterback. And I think it's going to be too expensive, but nothing against Carter the player. Um, but Adam, what do you think about uh, your boy, J- Jalen Carter? Um, no, I'm not training up for a defensive lineman. Like, I'm sorry. I, I love, you know, the idea of enhancing the trenches for sure. And I've been talking about it. You know, this off season needs to be an off season of the trenches. If you're going to trade up from eight into the top three, which is what it's going to take most likely, um, because Carter is, seems like the best defensive player on the board right now. And, you know, you're going to have to be competing with some of those teams trying to trade up, you know, possibly for quarterbacks. You're going to have to give up multiple first-round picks to move up from eight into the top three in any draft, pretty much. That's just, you know, quarterbacks or no. Uh, I like Carter. I don't think he's worth multiple picks in the first round, one of them being a top-ten pick. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. It, it'll take two firsts and maybe even, even, maybe even some more. I'd be much more comfortable if we are going the route of enhancing the defense in the draft. I'd be much more comfortable taking the best defensive player available at eight, whether that's someone like a Miles Murphy, for example, who's also going to enhance your uh, your defensive line as an edge rusher. Um, you know, that's that's just my opinion on it. Or, you know, go with an offensive lineman, which is – not outside the realm of possibility, and it's something that I'm talking myself more and more into uh, as as the time progresses. Yeah, yeah, Dave. Do you have any opinions on on trading up into the early, to, I guess, top three picks to to get one of the top two defensive prospects? I, I guess I'd echo you guys. You know, as much as I love the thought of of a Will Anderson, a Jalen Carter, I, I think sitting at eight, assuming they stay there, um, you know, you're going to have your pick of some really good defenders. Um, you know, cornerback seems to be a popular mock pick for them because there are some intriguing options there. There will be pass rushers that you might even be able to move down a little bit and get. So as much as I'd love to have that, that probably elite slam dunk guy, I think the cost it's sort of, you know, part and parcel of what people have been saying about the trade for quarterback or the trade for this, the trade for that is, you know, you have all these assets and this is still a team that needs help pretty much everywhere. So let's not give up premium picks um, for one guy unless it's absolutely a must that you have to have him. So even as good as Carter is going to be, and I firmly believe he's going to be terrific, I'd be in favor of not doing that. Yeah, no, I, I think I agree with with both your takes there. Um, similar question going the other direction. Dylan Spires asks, if someone like Stroud falls to eight, do you think the Falcons would consider trading down with a team like the Commanders? Uh, or, you know, do you think there was a possibility that a team might try to get up in front of the Panthers to get that quarterback? Um, and yes, there is a slight chance of that. Um, if the If the Panthers stay put at nine, there will be teams calling the Falcons to get somebody. I guarantee that um, because everyone will know that the Panthers are going to take a quarterback. That's part of why I don't think the Panthers will do that. I think that they will try to get up in front 
and and get the guy they want. Um, because and we were talking about this in the Falcon chat today, actually, how many quarterbacks are gonna go in the top ten? Um, and I firmly believe at least three will go. Um, I think we could see three go in the top four. Uh, but I, I think we will see at least two quarterbacks go in the top four picks, and probably at least a third go in the top ten. But I think that fourth could also go in the top ten. I just I don't know where or when. I mean, the, the, the Lions are a wild card to take someone, right? I mean, they do have Jared Goff under contract, who's seemingly found a second wind in Detroit, but everybody knows Jared Goff is sort of a limited guy. Um, there's also, you know, obviously the Panthers have a desperate need. The Raiders don't have a settled situation there at all. Uh, they could be in the quarterback market, though I think the prevailing thought is, like, they're going to end up with, like, Jimmy G or something. Um so, like, there's a lot of moving parts there. And then, like you mentioned, the commanders and some other teams may be aggressive to move up for a quarterback. Um, we could see the Bucks possibly get really aggressive for a quarterback. I know they've talked a big talk about staying put with Kyle Trask, but come on. I mean, are you serious? Like, come on. <laughs> you think we're going to buy that? Like, come on, guys. Um, but, yeah, I'm interested to know what, what you guys think. Dave, you get the first shot at this one. What do you, what do you think about the potential for a trade down to actually happen? Yeah, I think it's it's probably slim. Um, you know, trading down seems to be something that the Falcons just don't do in the first round, right? Uh, just rarely, if ever, happens. But I, I think it was um, Chris Trapasso at CBS Sports who had a mock that was really interesting the other day, where it, it was that scenario: the Giants traded up to eight, and that's a that's a long way down. That's all the way to twenty six, but. You know, he still had, which I think is probably unrealistic, uh, Miles Murphy at that point. And the Falcons were able to <laughs> scoop him up and pick up an additional first rounder, you know, a second rounder in 2023, a fourth rounder in 2024. And, you know, it, it did make me think, like, given the the depth of this class in some spots that the Falcons, you know, should be interested in, maybe that is a possibility if a team comes along with a blockbuster offer, um, you know, because it feels like this is the kind of year that maybe you could get away with doing that. So I, I don't view it as particularly likely, but there will be teams making calls into the top 10. And if one, you know, is desperate enough to grab, uh, you know, a quarterback who's still left there at eight, you know, maybe they do come up with that killer offer that convinces Fontenot and the Falcons to move down a bit. So I, I would not rule it out entirely as I do most years. Yeah. Yeah. That that's, that's wise. And it's always more of a case. I think of the team, like teams coming to the Falcons more than the Falcons being willing to trade down. Unlike un, unlike Thomas Dimitrov, who I think just like didn't do it on principle. I think like, like Fontenot would, and he has, like he did do it the first year when he had an offer. But, um, you know, I wonder I, I think it's more likely to happen under Fontenot than it did under Dimitrov. But uh, yeah, Adnan, what do you think about that potential for the Falcons to trade down? And would you be interested in such a thing? It's actually really fascinating. Like, when is the last time the Falcons traded down in the first round? Like, I don't what know. year? That's a good trivia question. Yeah, like what year was it? Like, literally, I don't. I don't. Remember. As far as I can remember, it's never happened. Not in the first round. Like they've yeah. traded down in the past. I'm sure. Um, I'm always team trade down. Like I, no matter what, I'm always a fan of uh, moving down and of piling up more picks, getting that extra day two pick, getting that extra couple day two picks. And if the Falcons are lucky enough for CJ Stroud to be there at eight, uh, don't think it's going to happen. Don't think, not at all. 
Um, and if the Pelicans are convinced that Desmond Ritter is the guy, because I still don't know if they are or not, uh, if they don't take Stroud himself at eight, and I know some people are going to come at my throat for even suggesting the possibility of drafting a quarterback or of, you know, going into next season with anyone other than Ritter under center. Um, if the Falcons are in that scenario, then they can get, I think, a boatload of picks from someone trying to move up in front of Carolina. Um, someone like a Commanders, for example, as as was the question. Um, and I think it would behoove the Falcons to make that move both for that purpose and to sort of prevent the Panthers from getting Stroud themselves, like just in this theoretical scenario. I think the worst thing the Falcons can really do in that situation is just make the pick themselves and get grab this quarterback to an in-division in rival, especially since there's probably going to be a bidding war for that pick. Now, I'm just, I'm just talking about the scenario that was presented in front of us. I do not think that Stroud's going to be there at eight. Um, you know, I can potentially see someone like like a Richardson or a Will Levis being there at eight. Um, and, you know, I don't think the Falcons will be really interested. I'm not interested in Levis, certainly. Um, but in that, in that scenario, I think the Falcons would be smart to, you know, make some calls and see what, what some other teams could offer for, you know, the chance of going up and getting a quarterback because there's a quarterback tax on trade-ups. Yeah. And the beneficiary of that tax is the club that's trading back. So it would be nice for the Falcons to one time be the beneficiary of that QB tax and to, you know, actually trade back in the first round for once. Yeah. No, I think... I think this is a logical year for them to trade down also because I think this is this is the year where we're looking to evaluate Desmond Ritter and it's kind of somewhat answering your your question George about you know do we think that Ritter is really the answer or is he more of like a Teddy Bridgewater type and like the honest answer is that it's way too early to tell like anyone that tells you they know one way or the other is it's just conjecture uh which is fine but um like I personally think that will be pleasantly surprised with Ritter and, and feel like he's someone we can go forward with. I don't know that he's going to be so good that like, if you have a chance to add a top quarterback that you're going to turn it down in the future. So, you know, it, it all depends on like how, like if, if Ritter takes the Falcons to the playoffs and he's like good, but I mean, he, I don't think anyone's realistically going to put him in like this elite category of quarterback, but if he's good enough to get this team to the playoffs and he's not costing this team games, I think you're probably going to see them at least, attempt to build around him and see what they can get. Um, and if he falls on his face and the Falcons are picking high, then they're probably going to take another quarterback, right? That's just how this goes. Um, so it's really up to Ritter to prove himself, but I, I do think he's going to get the chance one way or the other, but on the topic of the trade down. Oh yeah. Did you have something you wanted to add on? I was going to say like, don't come after me for this, but if we're talking about if Ritter is the franchise guy or Teddy Bridgewater type, statistically and you're right it's too early to tell but statistically it is more likely that it is the latter just because the vast majority of quarterbacks are more likely like you know going to be solid there's going to be very very few very few that end up being like elite at that position um it's just i i'm seeing a lot of the fans and you know this is no disrespect to Ritter. i i hope that he does end up being 
a franchise guy that just blows us all out of the water and that he he's a pro bowler this year for sure. I'm just talking objectively, statistically. He is more likely than not to end up in that, you know, average to lesser range right. as as is every single quarterback that enters the league. It's just I'm seeing a lot of Falcons fans already crowning him as, you know, the next savior of the franchise. And I just think that's that's the incorrect approach. Yeah, I think try to be pleasantly surprised if he impresses. And, like, I do think he has a lot of traits that make him more likely to hit. That's why I was in favor of them drafting him as early as, like, the top of the second round. Um, but it's still very much a question mark, right? Um, so, yeah, with the, with the topic of the trade down, I think it does make a lot of sense for them to consider that because it does give you ammunition in a year where you might be looking to add that quarterback in the draft. Like, and, and having two first-round picks in the same class is sort of a trump card where you can be like, you don't have to wait for this second pick team that we're trading with. You get it right now. And so if if they, if you know, unfortunately Ritter fizzles out, it's not great. They're picking in the top 10 again, but they need to get to one to take, you know, Caleb Williams or Drake May or whoever it is that they like. Um, having two first-round picks in the same class, you know, in that same year, is going to be a, a trump card for them that might help them get that deal done as opposed to another team and doesn't necessarily hamstring you in future years either. So I think this is a logical year for them to covet an extra first round pick in the future because they may have a difficult choice next year to make and having that extra ammunition, it's never going to be a bad thing to have that extra first round pick, to be clear. Like, you'll be happy to have it whether Ritter does a good job or Ritter does a bad job. But, um, you know, it's... I think it makes even more sense for them to consider that this year. Also in the context of this draft class, which once you get past, if you're not getting one of the top quarterbacks and you're not getting Jalen Carter or Will Anderson, I don't think the talent difference between pick eight and like pick 15 is like significant. I think a lot of the players you can draft in that range are pretty much the same. Like unless you're getting, unless you love Christian Gonzalez more than the other top corners or you absolutely love miles Murphy more than the other edges that are in that sort of cluster. Um, you're going to get a comparable player at 15 or wherever it is that you trade down. So I, I think it's a logical time to do it if you can make it work with a quarterback needy team. Um, and and uh, also, I just do want to give a shout out to Brandon Brass in the chat, who, you know, great job, Brandon, great research. Found out that the last time the Falcons traded back was in 1990 in the first round. So yeah. they traded the number one pick for the to the Colts for the 13th pick in 91, the fifth round of fifth round in 1990, uh, Chris Hinton and Andre Risen. So, yeah. you know, great, great bit of research, uh, by, uh, by Brandon on that one. The Colts ended up taking, do you guys want to guess who the Colts took number one that year? I know who they took number one that um, year. <laughs> it was, uh, it was Jeff George. who. Yeah. Also, very, uh, very good uh, trivia. Jeff George has the most single-season passing yards by any Falcons quarterback, not named Matt Ryan. There you go. In Falcons history, so yeah, he had over four thousand yards one year, and the Falcons ended up taking Mike Pritchard with the thirteenth pick in ninety-one. Interesting. It was really good for a couple of years too. Yeah. So, he's very good in Tecmo Super Bowl. Yeah, that's back <laughs> when uh, that's back when Dave was, was in college. <laughs> back when Dave was just a wee lad 
Damn it. Damn you. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, All right. <laughs> Moving on to more questions before we go off on that rabbit hole. Uh, I know that there were a couple yeah, questions. Uh, shout out, out to Brandon. Thank you for the research. Yeah. That was, thank you for doing the legwork for us, Brandon. Really appreciate that. Uh, so George was asking about quarterback, and there were a couple other comments about the top quarterback. So we'll spend a little time. You know, I don't know how much Adnan and Dave, how much work you've done on the quarterbacks. I'm not really a quarterback evaluator, but I, I have opinions, so I'll share my opinions. Um, so, yeah, and George is saying he's he's on the Anthony Richardson train, loves the, the talent that you can see. Um, he has a great arm, um, and he can run, uh, but can he read defenses? And um, also, George was following that up saying, you know, with Richardson and, and Levis, there's not as much great tape as opposed to strong uh, Stroud and young who both have really good tape. Um, so you're taking a big gamble there, but they both might have greater potential. And I think that's pretty spot on. I mean, um, I will have by, uh, I will have uh young Bryce young number one, um, because I think he's clearly shown that he's special in terms of his ability to play quarterback. I, I don't know, like what it's going to look like at his size. I don't know longevity wise, how he's going to hold up. Um, I do think he's like a much better arm talent than like Tua. I know George was saying he kind of sees Young as more of like a Tua. I think Bryce Young's arm talent is like drastically better than Tua's. So, um, and I think, I think Bryce Young's a better athlete too, but Young is, is smaller. Um, he's going to maybe be the smallest quarterback in the NFL when he gets drafted. He's going to probably shock some people with how small he comes in at the combine. So he's not going to be for everyone. That's why I think actually Bryce Young's not going to be the first quarterback taken. Um, I do really like Anthony Richardson. I think it's sort of overblown how raw he is. I mean, I think he definitely has a lot of work to do, but I think he's closer than people think. And I, I think if I was gambling on one guy to sort of surpass expectations, it would be Richardson. And if I had to pick one quarterback for the Falcons in this class, I would say it would be Richardson also, um, because I think he fits that Arthur Smith mold the best of any of these guys. Um, CJ Stroud is just a rock solid quarterback prospect that I think checks all the boxes, but you know, I, I don't think he's exceptionally athletic. I think he's just more, I mean, I think he's fine. I think he showed in like, uh, the play, the playoff that he was a, a fine athlete. I don't think he's like a mobile quarterback and I don't think, I think he's looked a little bit more flustered under pressure than you might like. He's not necessarily the big off script producer, but I think he's so rock solid on tape that He's just going to be quarterback two in this class, and he's going to be a rock-solid starter for you. I don't know if he's ever going to enter that like upper echelon of quarterbacks, but I think you'll be happy with him if you take him. So, you know, he's going to go high as a result. Will Levis, I just personally am not interested. Um, I don't like guys who get worse uh, over the course of a season. And, like, I think Levis is probably getting a little too much hate based on his his tape. And there were, there were background things going on at the school and the offense and all that that were affecting him. But... I'm just personally not a big fan of, of that type of Josh Allen player. Like, I was famously not in at all on Josh Allen, um, and I feel the same way about Will Levis. I was wrong about Josh Allen, but most of the time, you're going to be right about that type of prospect. They just It's really rare that a guy gets that much better in, in the NFL. Um, so, you know, I would have Levis 4, Richardson 3, Stroud 2, and, and Bryce Young number 1. Um, but... Uh, I do think Anthony Richardson deserves more love, certainly. Um, I, I think he's getting kind of a bad rap for, for having being stuck on that Florida team. And uh, I think he's better than people think. So if, if I did have to pick one guy for the Falcons, it'd probably be Richardson. But I think taking him at eight, you know, I don't think that they should really do that. But, 
you know, I don't think we're gonna have to worry too much about that. Um, all right, let's see. We had Brandon Brass ask, Siaki Ika or Kalaja Kansi? So you probably pick the two complete, like if you had to pick two defensive tackles in this class that were on polar opposites of the spectrum, you probably pick the two that were literally the biggest size difference in the entire class. Because like Siaki is like 6'5", probably going to come in at like 350. I hope he comes in a little lower, honestly, but like... 6'5", 350 nose tackle versus Kalaja Kansi, who's like six foot flat and like 290 pounds. So like literally the biggest difference possible in that question. Um, so if I had to pick one, I would probably say Kalaja Kansi because he's a baby Grady Jarrett and I love Grady Jarrett and I love that type of player. I think it, I think it can work well. Uh, but if you want a nose tackle, then you want Siaki Ika. But I don't know if you guys have any uh, Kansi versus Ika takes. They've been... Both of those names have been floating around in the first round quite a bit in recent weeks. So I don't know if you if you even know who those players are, but <laughs> no of them. I don't know enough of them to give you any kind of real worthwhile opinion. So. Very fair. Well, yeah, I'm in the I'm in the same boat, but I haven't yeah. really evaluated that in depth just yet. It's yeah, still over a month left. Oh Combine yeah, has yeah, yeah. You got time. You got time. No, it's uh, Cansey is a small defensive tackle that does actually remind he's he's at Pitt, so everyone's of course saying he's like a baby Aaron Donald. I think he's more like a baby Grady Jarrett because I don't think anyone else is like Aaron Donald, not even Grady Jarrett. Um, but uh, super productive, small, six foot defensive tackle who's very good, but he is what he is, right? He's a penetration style three tech, and that's it. Um, and then you've got Siaki Ika, who's six five, three fifty. Maybe the most athletic nose tackle you'll ever see. The rare nose tackle who's actually a better pass rusher than run defender because Ika was surprisingly bad against the run this year, which when you're 6'5", 350, you don't really have any excuses for being poor against the run. Um, But I I do, like, in terms of upside, I mean, it's absurd, which is probably why he's going to go early on day two. But uh, both guys are sort of interesting projections, right? Um, Cansey, I think, is more like you know what you're going to get. and He's going to be a good pass rusher. Ika is like, you're going to have to develop him, but he can be that rare three down nose tackle. Um, so it is what it is, but, uh, yeah, two extremely different players to compare. That's for sure. Um, all right, let's see. Next question we have from Daryl Moore again. Uh, what, which route do you guys think the Falcons will end up taking? Do you think they'll draft a top corner like a Devon Witherspoon or Christian Gonzalez and sign, you know, their safety help and Jesse Bates and someone like, you know, Isaiah Oliver to fill the nickel? Or do you think they'll draft more of like a safety, like a Brian Branch, uh, and then go for um, signing a top corner like a Jamel Dean versus, you know, which, which route? So like drafting the corner, signing the safety, or drafting the safety, signing the corner uh, route. And I think most people will probably tell you that they want to sign Bates and draft a corner. And I think they would be right, even though Brian Branch is pretty good. But I'm curious to know what you guys think with those options presented. Uh, Dave, you got any takes on on the how you construct that sort of secondary? Yeah, I think, you know, it's not, you know, that simple because it won't just be two players. But to me, that that's sort of right. You know, you want the veteran safety. I think they want a proven high-end guy because it's been 
obviously Arthur Smith's entire tenure and, and longer rip really since they've had that high end veteran safety back there to, to help out a young guy like Richie Grant. So I think that's a must, whether it's Bates or somebody else. And then I think they would really like to have sort of that long-term solution opposite AJ Terrell. So to me, it just makes sense that they would do the veteran safety slash rookie cornerback route. And I, I kind of expect to see that unfold that way. The, the more interesting question beyond that is, you know, how do they build the reserves and like who do they currently have that's actually going to stick around? Like is Jalen Hawkins, your third safety is, uh, you know, Isaiah Oliver back, you know, so there, there's a lot of interesting questions there, but I think at the end of the day, probably one of their, you know, big splash signings will be that safety. And then you will see them take a corner in the top two or three rounds. Yeah. I think that's fair. Totally fair. And Adan, do you have an opinion on that as well? Yeah, I go with uh, go with Bates. Yeah. Um, well, he's coming to Atlanta. We saw the dinner picture. It's it's done. It's a done deal. So. Yeah, it was a whole video. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean it's it's sound logic. Like, if anything, you don't. The Falcons will already be operating with a pretty young safety uh, in Richie Grant next season, where Grant's in his third year technically, but this will, for all intents and purposes, be his sophomore season because he didn't really play much in his rookie year um you don't want your safeties to be too youthful like you know we saw a young pairing last year in grant and hawkins and we saw you know some issues that that could come with that uh and with both of those guys to the point where i think that having someone like a Bates who is you know a pro bowl level guy I think that'll completely stabilize the secondary much in the same way that uh, bringing in Alex Mack in 2016, that not only completely solved the center position issue for the Falcons, which was a massive issue since Todd McClure had, uh, you know, been exiled by Dimitrov after 2012. Uh, but that also helped enhance and make the lives easier for every single position on the, along the offensive line. To where I think that we'll see a similar, you know, scenario play out if the Falcons get a game changer like a Bell or a Jordan Poyer, for example. Yeah. Um, or a Chauncey Gardner Johnson, which again, that's not happening. Yeah, seems like he's gonna be tagged. Yeah. Like that would be fun, but um, but you know, I I think that that'll I think that that'll be one of those moves where you'll pay for the safety and you'll get even more with how easy he makes life for, for AJ Terrell and for Richie Grant as well. And for everyone else in front of him. Uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm against having that super young safety tandem and I'm against going into next season with Grant and Hawkins as your safety tandem. Again, I think we do need uh, a legitimate upgrade at the safety position. And I would rather go, the route of the draft for a cornerback, um, especially because you don't, you know, you're not expecting to be your number one corner. You already have AJ Terrell here for that. Yeah. No, that makes total sense. Yeah. What if I told you that Jesse Bates and Richie Grant will both be 26 during the 2023 NFL season? Yeah, that's, that's, that's great. That's fine. But Bates (laughs) has, what yeah. five years experience well, base was drafted in 2018 and he's the same yeah. 
age as Richie Grant. It's kind of crazy, but it's it's true. Yeah, like, but that's part yeah, of why yeah. Bates is such a good free agent addition because he's so. I mean, he's yeah. twenty six. He turned twenty six yesterday. Happy birthday! But yeah, I'm not looking like at like just age. Like I I put more stock it's in experience. Yeah, NFL yeah. experience because yeah. like Grant, this will be his like de facto second season in the NFL next year. Like his rookie year is just a wash to me. He wasn't yeah. even on the field. Like he didn't even know the playbook his rookie year. No, yeah. I mean, Bates has played more than double the number of games that Grant has. So, that, I mean, it's yeah, that was more just being silly because it's kind of crazy yeah. that yeah. Bates has like played out his entire rookie contract and like is going to get a big free agent payday. And he's like the same age technically. I mean, he's older than Grant by like half a year, but um, they'll yeah, both be like 26. The about, is it like Stetson Bennett being older than Lamar yeah, Jackson? Yeah. Right. Or like Caleb McGarry and Jermaine Effetti being the same age somehow, you know, even though I feel like Effetti has been in the NFL forever. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of funny. One of those things, but that's part of why Bates is such a smart free agent addition is because he's so incredibly young, even for well, I mean, throughout his entire prime. Yeah. The, his entire, if you give him a, a five-year contract, you have him through age 31. Yeah. So you can, I mean, you feel safe doing that as compared to pretty much any other top corner or safety or whatever. You're not going to get a better deal than that. So, um, yeah, let's see a couple more questions here. Dylan Spires says, do you have any sleepers in the draft that you're rooting for? Um, you know, hard to define, I guess, sleeper, but like, there's definitely some guys that I like. Um, you know, I, I think like, uh, like Daniel Scott from Cal, the safety, who was really impressive at the Senior Bowl. He's, it seems like he's going to be a late day three pick because he's not a great tackler, but he was really good in coverage at the Senior Bowl. And I think you maybe hope you can clean up the tackling if you get him in like the seventh round. Um, I like Devon Achane, who's not really like a sleeper per se, but he's maybe like a late day two, early day three running back. You will know who Devon Achane is after the combine. I guarantee it. This he. Allegedly, Devon A-Chain will be the fastest player at the Combine and could run close to a 4-2 flat based on his uh, 100-meter dash time. I believe he set some sort of record with like a 10-1-2 100-meter dash. Uh, so Devon A-Chain is insanely fast, and he's also actually a good running back. Unlike like a Dre Archer, who was like a fast guy playing running back, Devon A-Chain actually is a really talented running back. He has vision. He's got some contact bounce, even though he's only like 185 pounds. He's not, the reason he's going to get drafted late is because he's not a guy that's going to take 20 carries, but he's a committee member. And I think he'd be the perfect, you know, sort of lightning to the thunder of Tyler Algier. And you don't have to spend like a super high pick, but of course, if he runs close to that 4-2 flat, he's probably going to go in the second round. So, um, <laughs> you know, that's just what happens, right? Um, but yeah, I don't know if you guys know of any like later draft picks that, that you like or any names out there that are, that you're fans of, but um no it's uh i we're coming up on march which is when i i know enough to be dangerous honestly yes. like I, I could not give you anybody right now that would be worth your time um that's 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 you and will and everett for sure i'm just carrying the torch here early you know these dra draft sickos right in these combine previews 10 deep so you know stay tuned for com for the rest of those by the way um and then we got uh one last question from Daryl Moore um, asking about some potential edge free agents. Um, some guys he likes, Dwayne Smoot, Arden Key, Samson Ebukam, and Marcus Davenport. 
which uh, edge free agents do you guys like? Yeah, I mean, I like Yannick Ngakwe the best. I think he's been the most consistent. He'll probably also be the most expensive, so, you know, keep that in mind. But if they're going to go for someone that's going to be, like, more than $10 million a year, the only one I'd really feel comfortable giving that money to is Ngakwe. But um, there's a lot of, like, ones that aren't necessarily going to be that expensive. But, Adnan, what do you think about uh, the edge free agents? You got anybody that you like? I mean, Davenport seems like uh, seems like a given at this point, right? Like he's, as long as it's not too expensive, but yeah, like he has a connection with Nielsen, he has the connection with Terry Fontenot. Like I, I think it's just going to be like I think the Falcons are going to end up with Marcus Davenport. Uh, Arden Key is a guy that I actually really I like the idea of of getting Arden Key, not as like all right, he's your savior of your pass rush. Like he's never he has fourteen career sacks. He's been with three different teams over the past three years, but he's still a productive guy. He's a guy that doesn't really miss any time. And he's a guy that, you know, will be very, very solid in your in your um in your defensive end rotation, pass rusher rotation, linebacker rotation, whatever however you wanna however you wanna word it, your pass rusher rotation. And I, I think he's a guy that you won't really break the bank for. So, you know, that's one of those more kind of lower key signings as long as he's not too expensive. But yeah, I think Dockway is is the big name in this free in this free agency class. Like, you know I wouldn't I'm not giving ten million a year to Arden Key, but you know, so, something something more reasonable than that. I think the Falcons he would definitely be on Atlanta's radio. I think that makes makes a lot of sense. Dave, did you have any guys that, that you liked in that edge group? Yeah, I think um, Davenport feels inevitable, and I, and I do think that he's a better player than for all that I made fun of the, the Saints for trading up for him and will continue to do so until the end of time. I still think he's a pretty good player who, you know, hopefully change of scenery helps him unlock his potential a little bit. I do like Arden Key. I like Morgan Fox as kind of an inside-outside uh, versatile piece. And, you know, honestly, I have to stump, as I do every year, for this team to sign Justin Houston. Um, you know, you can get that done on a one-year deal um, if you add a, a high-end pass rusher or two to the group. And Houston's kind of your, you know, veteran teacher for for guys like Ebiketti and Malone and, you know, still rock-solid, productive option. Um, I, I just... I've wanted him to be in Atlanta forever and we're running out of years for that to happen. So of course I got a stump for him. Yeah. It would be a nice like Dwight Freeney sort of signing to like round out the depth chart and hopefully mentor some of these guys. Cause that was when the pass rush was the best. I don't think it was a coincidence. So no, um, no, you know, and you know, I'm still trying to get Dwight Freeney back here as like a defensive line coach. Cause that dude clearly knew what he was doing. So, uh, you know, maybe we can hit that up Falcons. Let's get that, get the wheels rolling on that one, but they've been making a bunch of co- coaching moves today. So, um, we finally got quarterbacks coach news. So, you know, <laughs> um, but yeah, um, I think that's pretty much everything um for tonight i do appreciate everyone's questions everyone hanging out with us throughout the show i apologize for the late start uh but again guys thank you so much thank you all the patrons for your support we really appreciate you guys uh we'll have lots more of these over the course of the off season to get to even more great 
questions. Um, we do appreciate it. The quality of the questions, always entertaining, always fun uh, to get into some of this stuff with you guys. Uh, if, if you're not a patron, you're listening to this after the fact, like I said, you can join up patreon.com slash Live. Really appreciate all that support. Uh, before we take off, I want to thank our co-host tonight, Dave Choate at the Falcoholic himself. Dave, anything you're working on you'd like to plug? No, just, um, you know, we're finally in that part of the off season where instead of thinking about what we're going to write about, it kind of comes to us. Right. So, uh, make sure to keep an eye out for all our free agent coverage. I'll have a tracker going up middle of this week to get us ready for that. And of course, for all the draft coverage, um, including the combine this week. So excited for that. Absolutely. Got that combine coverage coming hot and heavy over the next few days. And then Thursday is the first, uh, first on field workout. So we're getting there folks. Also with us tonight, Adnan Ikic at Say Which Way. Adnan, what are you working on, and what would you like to plug? Um, I will just plug the falcoholic.com because I don't think I'm really working on anything right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. You know, uh, so, you know, we're going to need you to get on that. Adnan. <laughs> Got to get that. The, the content must flow. Okay, that's the tenant. Yeah. Um, this, um... <laughs> uh, I, will, I will plug, uh, again, from last week, just – Check out the my salary my franchise side article because that has a lot of really good information in there and it's very up to date. It's 2023 uh, updated and we're still in franchise tag mode, uh, so it's still um, it's still relevant. So definitely check that out. Yep, franchise tag season uh, for everyone in the NFL, but particularly for the Falcons, because I think there is a pretty good chance that they do tag Caleb McGarry. So um, might actually be relevant for this team uh, for the first time in quite a, quite a while. So uh, interested to see what happens there. We're going to have the combine. Like I, like we said, yeah. it would be the fourth time the Falcons have used the franchise tag. Okay. You know, other than Grady Jarrett, let's, uh, let's do some trivia. Who are the other two? Uh, there's definitely, uh, no, go ahead. Michael Cannon was one. Yeah, yeah. I thought I did not think you guys would get Michael Kane. Oh, I remember because I was very confused when it happened. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, the uh, yeah, and then Brent Grimes, right? Was Brent Grimes, correct. Yep. Brent Grimes actually, um, he played in one game after the tag, and he, I think, tore his Achilles. And that's right. Big tragic, big tragic. Um, but yeah, guys, uh, thank you all for tuning in. Uh, if you're listening to the podcast audio, leave us that five star review. If you're list- if you're watching on YouTube, like subscribe. Uh, we will not be back Wednesday because I'm actually going to be traveling this week for an impromptu ski trip because we're actually getting snow. Uh, I know for we're all talking about how much snow we're getting, but before this, there really wasn't any snow on the ground. It had been like 40 and raining, so there actually will be snow and there will be skiing. So I will be taking off to do that over the latter half of the week. But I'm going to try to get a recorded show for you guys to come out later in the week so you'll have something to tide you over uh and like honestly you know we'd just be talking about previewing the combine but you know it's gonna be more interesting to talk about what actually happens at the combine next week anyway so we'll just save the discussion for then um but appreciate everyone for hanging out for your support uh we will see you next time on the falcoholic live until then guys thanks to my co-host and have a great night folks see you next time